You know that scene in Bird Box where um, Sandra Bullock is on a boat with two kids and she had to navigate through rough waters blindfolded? Yeah, that's the visual representation of what parenting is like for me. I kind of just shut my eyes and I hope for the best because undoubtedly and with complete and utter honesty, I don't know what I'm doing. Welcome to another episode of I Don't Know What I'm Doing. I'm uh, Sophie, and uh, if um, if some of you have been following my Instagram or those who follow my Instagram have noticed, I actually posted up the fact that episode two of this podcast was actually already put up on uh, Spotify and other uh, podcast listening services uh, a few days ago. But after hearing feedback from my wife uh, uh, that... My recollection of our uh, of her story uh, has a lot of inaccuracies. I decided to like scrape it and like start from scratch, and not only that, but also update the story based on recent developments, because um, I I want to stay true to to my wife's story because it's her story. So um, this episode will I guess technically be episode two point five. There's also gonna be a re reformatting and restructuring of the episode. So. For the first part, I think I'm just going to tell like a quick story or update about what's going on with uh, what's been going on with our family life uh, in, in my household. And then we'll hit into the main show a little bit after that. A funny thing actually happened a few days ago. About three days ago, right? No, four days ago. About four days ago. Four nights ago. No, four days. Four days. Yeah. I'm sorry if um, it's hard to keep up with me, but... But four days ago, my wife actually uh, cooked uh, dinner for my son, and she prepared she prepared dinner for me too, and she made uh for she she prepared uh steamed corn corn kernels buttered, and uh, fish fingers, because my son likes fish fingers, so everything seems fine and well. He ate most of a, his corn. He's still having trouble, you know, using a spoon. Uh, he knows how to use a fork, but he still hasn't fully understand uh, why he shouldn't tilt his spoon all the way up and uh, we had to clean up a lot of corn off the floor uh, multiple times and mop it and vacuum a lot of work so um, so fast forward to the next day and my son uh, in the evening was uh, he, he had trouble trying to uh, do his number two trying to poop and I know uh, that sometimes he has trouble with that and I can tell. And usually I just, you know, my protocol or our protocol is that I'll sit down with him, uh, standing up while he's standing up, I'll sit down, get close to him, I'll give him a hug, I'll give him support, like emotional comfort, I'll hold his hand, I'll rub his tummy and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll give him like the countdown to, to, to launch, like three, two, one, mm, that kind of thing. And then um, his thing is where if I count one, two, three, mm, he'll keep increasing the numbers to one, two, three, four, five, and then like 10. And then it's good. He knows his numbers, so um, I'm not going to go all the way. But anyway, um, in the end of, at the end of the day, he, he didn't actually poop. 
So we thought, okay, maybe it's just a funny feeling in his stomach that he thought he was going to poop, but he didn't poop. So we're like, fine. You know what? Then be. And my son has always had this um problem with a little bit of a constipation kind of thing. And, uh, and um, previously when he was a newborn and like a few weeks old, a few months old, whenever he we suspected that he had a problem trying to poop, uh, we immediately go for enema. If you don't know what enema is, it's that thing that you stick up your bum, which is fluid, you know, and then you pump it into your bum and it helps lubricate the bum and get all the all the brown out. Yeah, so so that's what enema is. And um, we we always had um, anxiety when he has trouble pooping when he was younger. So that was what we did. But uh, as he grew older, like the last few months, uh, he has had like from time to time trouble with uh, uh, going number two. But um, my, uh, my take is that just give him time. He'll eventually do it on his own. You know, don't, don't, don't put any chemicals or anything inside him. Just let him be. He knows how to do it. He, he'll eventually get it, get through it and he'll feel better for it. So let's try and keep all the chemicals away from him for a bit. And for the most part, for the last few months, it's been okay. He eventually poops on his own. Um, sometimes like, you know, a lot, like a lot, like two days worth, three days worth sometimes. So, um, yeah, that's been the case. But for this particular day, two days ago, it's been two, three days since he's tried to poop, but hasn't been able to. And I tried to comfort him and do all the, you know, the normal protocol that we've, we've, we've come up with, but nothing seems to work. And I feel bad because I feel like he's really in pain and there's really something in there and his stomach is really full, but he could never push it out. So, uh, we were outside when he started trying to poop. We were at my in-law, my sister-in-law's place. And he tried to poop, but nothing came out. Then uh, I said, I think, okay, we'll try again before we go, go, go home. We'll try again once we're home before I put him to bed. Because if he has a lot of things in there, it's best to clear it out before he goes to bed. Because if not, he might have a bad night sleeping. So, um, going home. I tried to encourage him again. I put some oil on my on my hand and rub his tummy in the what um, clockwise motion and all that. Everything that you you would imagine, uh, I I would do. And I really didn't want to go to the anima, but he was really having a hard time trying to push it out. So I was like, you know what? I think I have to go to the anima. And I told him I'm sorry and everything. I you know I got I got the anima ready. I put some Vaseline on it so it's it goes in smooth. Um, I got his clothes off. Uh, I put a I put his potty, like his potty support, onto the toilet seat. And uh, I got everything ready. I pulled his uh, diaper off. I stuck the enema in. He was crying and it was difficult for me too. But I knew that if I, the moment this happens, I need to be quick. If not, pandemonium. So I stuck it in, I pumped him, pulled it out, and I immediately put him onto his potty. But the problem with him and his potty, he doesn't like sitting on his potty. 
So there I was trying to struggle to get him to sit down. We, like I'm holding a time bomb because I know it's going to come out anytime soon. And I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to force him to sit down on his potty, but he's like pushing me away and we're like struggling and everything like that. And then within seconds, I hear a ploop. Ploop. And two giant nuggets, like the size of my phone, I think. I'm hold, I, I have a Note 8, a Samsung Note 8. So two of that came out of his bum onto the floor. Onto my foot. And uh, immediately, I forced him to sit down on his chair, on his on his potty, and just like finish it out. And he was crying. He's trying to fight it, but eventually he realized, wait, this this is actually more comfortable this way. Uh, so yeah, so there I was holding my son down, poop everywhere because he already pooped on the floor, uh, and my foot. And uh, strangely enough, strangely enough. Um, there's corn everywhere too. Like there's, there's pieces of corn everywhere. So, um, yeah. So I had to use my own hands to pick up the poop and dump it to the toilet, wait for him to finish, pick up every piece of corn that I find, throw it into the uh, toilet and wait until he's done and then clean everything. Suffice it to say, uh, I won't be eating corn for the next two years and hopefully you guys will, uh, I didn't discuss you guys off of uh, corn too much with this story, but that's basically what happened two days ago. So yeah, that's been fun. Um, anyway, um, let's kick on with the main show, right? Today we're going to talk about um, postnatal depression and my experience with it uh, through my wife's experience of it her ordeal with uh, postnatal depression. So, um, yeah, enjoy. Uh, we're on to the main show, and uh, today we're going to talk about postnatal depression or postpartum depression. PND or PPD, depending on, uh, I don't know who depending on, but we know we're talking about the same thing. Anyway, it's a hot and raw topic to talk about because uh, there's a lot of factors that played into the reasons why uh, my wife experienced uh, postpartum depression not only once but twice on both occasions after giving birth to both sons. And I, I know I had... I had a part to play in both of them, but there were also other external reasons uh, that really weighed her down. And uh, for the most part, all of my mistakes, uh, I have been uh, spending close to two years, especially for the first time, I've been spending two years trying to make up for them to her because, uh, yeah, I, I'm not proud of them, the things that I did or that I didn't do enough of to help her uh, get better so well here's um the background of what uh what really happened on the first time that we actually went through uh pnd um just um to paint a picture we were staying at my in-laws because we haven't had a place yet and uh 
after after we gave birth um okay this is these are all the reasons um why i'm a bad husband and uh, <laughs> well well basically these are the things that i did wrong or didn't do enough of so that led to my wife eventually having depression over it we were staying at my in-laws and for me uh, i really depended on my in-laws my in-laws my in-laws my my parents in law uh their experience because they've had three kids and they've had they've gone through um three newborns at least so they should know how to you know deal with the day to day how to get a baby ready how to give them a bath and all that so i was keen to learn but uh like from the back i just need to needed to observe how did they did things how, what like uh the steps step by step procedure i was like a an intern you know trying to learn on on the job so um i i i took a back seat and tried tried to you know learn the ropes that way but in doing so i i had lesser and lesser involvement with the baby and uh yeah and i'm not proud of this again i i'm i'm just sharing and i'm just being honest with uh what i went through um the lack of involvement from me and the lack of input that i have on on my own babies samir my first son the lack of input that i have on my own babies well-being be- made me feel lesser and lesser of a parent and more like a passenger in my own car and i grew frustrated over that like i i i i i really wanted to like have a bigger part in my 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 son's uh life but because everyone because i it's like it's like a a cycle like i depended on my 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 in-laws to to help and guide me but then because they didn't let me do uh they didn't give me the keys to the car i felt more and more like a passenger in my own situation and uh i told my wife that and that really weighed up on her cuz like we were already staying at at her parents place and she feels the the need and the she feels the need to protect me and to keep my name uh keep up keep my reputation good i guess in some ways with my my in-laws and not and not like make me seem like an asshole too much to my family to to her family so she was already going through so much and i put that on her which is unfair to her uh even uh there was this point of time where i i really wanted to like I think my my son was wearing something new, something cute, like a new onesie or whatever. But everyone was in the room, like my in-laws, my sister-in-laws, my my wife obviously and the baby. They're all in the room, and it's not a big room. It's, it was quite crowded, and I was actually really really near to the door. And I couldn't see a lot of things. So my my wife said to me, "Hey, uh, come see how cute he is in this whatever the nighty or whatever." and i didn't even realize that i did it myself like i just said how am i but how can i see there's so many people but i didn't see, i didn't mean it in a very like i didn't mean to be an asshole i didn't mean to like uh tell them off can you please move i want to see my son i didn't mean it like that i just meant like how am i going to see there's so many people relax i'll see you later you know the kind of thing 
But I think my my wife took it the wrong way, and I think my in laws also took it the wrong way, and they departed ways a little bit, and they, some of them left the room, and uh, I think I left a very bad taste in their mouths, and uh, I didn't I didn't mean to, but perhaps the frustration of not being involved with my family, it, with with my own family, with my son, got to me, and I let it bubble out, so, yeah, so that was one thing that happened. Just, just an incident, an example of an incident that happened. And uh, that's also an example of my struggle trying to adapt to this new lifestyle. Like before before we, we had a kid, uh, I, worked, I work in the TV industry. So I have a lot of friends who like TV was where we, um, day-to-day TV, we, we, we were caught up with all the, you know, the cool TV shows and I was trying my best to keep up with all my TV shows, even in the middle of this lifestyle change where I have to um, put the importance of my family more than TV, if you get what I mean. And I was having trouble with that. Like, I felt like my old previous life, I wasn't ready to let go of that. Like, there was an identity crisis of sorts that I was going through. And I guess in the most part, sure, you want to you go watch your TV show, go ahead. But I let it affect my, uh, I let it affect me, uh, trying to function the next day. Like I usually watch my shows late at night when my son's asleep, when my wife's asleep, and then the next morning it affected the way I function, and I was just too tired to like do anything. I I would ask for ten more minutes to sleep and all that. It was very selfish of me to to put my need to catch up with my own TV shows just so that I can feel relevant. Um, over the needs of my family, and uh, yeah, that was that sucks for <laughs> that sucks for my family, and that sucks for me too. Cause I I was struggling to adapt to the new responsibilities, and uh, sometimes I push these responsibilities away. Like um, for example, if uh, every morning my 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 father-in-law or my mother-in-law wants to give Samir a, a bath, I'll just say, yeah, let them, let them, let them give Samir a bath. Maybe they want, they want to bond with the baby. You know, they want to spend time. They want to have moments with the baby. Go ahead. I don't want to be the guy who says no. You know, I don't want to be the guy who takes that away from him, from them. But then I realized that I was only making excuses so that I could have some more alone time to myself. Also, um, among all of this, while, while all of this was happening, uh, I also didn't see the signs of depression coming from my wife. There were nights where I'll wake up and she'll be sobbing on the side of the bed. And uh, back then, I, I brushed it off and assumed that it was just her being dramatic. And that's another big mistake that I did. And uh, yeah, there, there was another mistake that I made. And I should have been more supportive of her and just like taking care of her needs and uh, listening to her, especially at that point. But I didn't. Um, yeah, those were things that I did wrong. But there were external reasons and also internal reasons how that led to my wife uh, eventually experiencing postnatal depression. Um she was already being, you know, she was already feeling stressed out being a first-time parent. And uh, there were also so much pressures. Uh, we were also being pressured a lot to breastfeed. 
and the fact that she couldn't produce caused her more stress. So we, she was going through stress of uh, breastfeeding and she couldn't produce enough. And because of that, she felt mom guilt. And uh, most of this is actually, most of this actually led to mom is most of the factors are actually, um, actually led to her having mom guilt and then depression. So this was one of them, the inability to produce breast milk for our firstborn son. And then she was going through engorgement and pain and like she's trying to heal her best, but she really didn't know what to do with the engorgement and stuff. Eventually she eventually she found a way and she she pumped she, and, and stuff like that. And uh she was she was she was in pain and she was she had to go through like the 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 healing massages regularly and that was also painful and like she she was trying to get back her body but her body felt foreign to her and like she was also promised to be taken care of by her mother while healing because we were staying at our in-laws right my in-laws right that that included meals uh you know that promote healing like confinement food and stuff like that but um my mother-in-law had to go back to work like the week after so she she could only settle like once or twice the meals for her and because of that uh my wife would go through a whole day without eating due to her focusing on the other day-to-day chores and then like when she's when she's focusing on other day-to-day chores she's always like stressed out because she's always uh keeping an ear out for for some years to see whether he's crying or not day-to-day chores like laundry and stuff like that so she 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 put on a lot of things on her plate also but she she didn't not that she put a lot of things on her plate it's just that she's my wife is a very responsible person. She wants to be the person doing all of this. So because of that, um, she like in turn kind of stressed herself out of sorts. Like there's laundry to be done, but then she also needs to make sure that my son is not crying suddenly. Like he, at that time when he's a newborn, he, he would take short naps and wake up, short naps and wake up. So she was already stressed out with that to make sure my son is, my son has enough, uh, you know, it, uh, is, is being fed properly. And then in order to, uh, she has to do the laundry, folding the laundry, laundry of mine, hers and our babies. And uh, there's a lot of that like stress. And because of that, she could, she would go through like a whole day without eating. And <laughs> during that time, her confinement period is where she needs to do the most healing and she couldn't really like focus on her own healing because she had so much other things to do and she had to focus on other things. She put everything else before her. So um, because of because she would go through whole days without food, that meant that she wasn't she wasn't she wasn't gonna produce breast milk. And because she had no breast milk, she felt more mom guilt. So it's just it's just a whole endless cycle of this going through her day-to-day life while she was trying to heal. Uh, and I mean, she had the assistance of a younger sister, but they were both still pretty new at taking care of a newborn. So um, despite her younger sister giving her an extra hand, they were still figuring things out on their own as they went along. And uh, so she, my wife was overwhelmed with the old responsibilities that she had and the new responsibilities that she had and uh, taking care of a newborn and all that. So she felt alone despite having so many people around her in her own house, her, her childhood home. So all these factors led into her eventually having a depression 
and uh, she had to this whole thing eventually led to one night where my wife um, called me out on it and she told me that I haven't really been uh, that she basically what she said was that she needed me that's it she, she needed me to be more involved she needed me to to be more like a husband more like a father than I was and uh, I realized that I was very uninvolved I realized all my mistakes uh, you know making excuses pushing responsibilities and all that I realized that that you know what I've yeah my wife told me that my wife told this to me while she was crying and my wife crying is a very big weakness for me like she's my best friend and uh, I've promised her and myself that I would never do anything to hurt her or make her cry. And uh, and when she went through that, um, it hit me hard that I wasn't doing enough. And uh, yeah, that's that's when I I I I bucked myself up. I told myself to you know be be the person who my son needs. Uh, I started giving him more buff. I started being more more closer to my son. I started changing his diaper. I started being the person responsible for my son, other than my wife. And I started trying to take care of my wife. Uh, you know, eventually, um, as time went on, and I got more involved, I think uh, her depression kind of slowly went away, and we we became stronger and uh, tired, but stronger together because we were doing everything together. So yeah, um, that was that was actually our first encounter, or my wife's first encounter of uh, postnatal depression. We were better prepared, I guess, for the second time. Um, we had our own house, we had our own place now. Uh, we prepared a room for for my wife to pump if she needs to we we prepared uh we prepared some his bedroom so that if you know he eventually wants to move into his own room and, and, and sleep on his own uh we can we can eventually um guide him to do that and help him out um i even like ordered um for her confinement food so that she doesn't have to worry about it for at least a week so to, to help with the production of breast milk and uh to make sure that she's eating right and also also to help in the recovery and the healing and all that so we we, we were better prepared this time around and I was better prepared because I really didn't want her to go through that again I didn't want her to go through depression again and I kept telling her even from the start if you feel or like you're going through anything that's wrong right just please let me know see what just let me know so that I can see what I can do to help you make you make you feel better and snap you out of depression and stuff like that and uh, yeah, she, my mom, my my wife has always felt uh, mom guilt whenever it comes to Samir, like even the fact that she th- she thinks that her being pregnant the second time uh, takes away uh, her takes away time from Samir that she could have, you know, like towards the end of the pregnancy she she couldn't carry Samir uh, when 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 he's having his tantrums and stuff. She couldn't comfort him that way, and it weighed up on her. So she feels guilty, 
and uh, even even on even in the delivery suite, because um, we had to send something to my in laws uh, for a few days while we you know go through the whole labor and stuff, and even then in the delivery suite, my wife is thinking about Samir and like wondering if if we're doing the right thing if he's if he's having a tantrum is he giving uh, her parents trouble and stuff like that and um, all of these um, thoughts keep running in her head despite her being in the delivery suite giving birth to our second son Cheyenne so when Cheyenne was born um, my wife actually uh, could produce more breast milk which is good and I, I feel like I kind of helped play a part in that with the confinement food making sure that she's, she's fed making sure there's always uh uh, she's also uh, not stressed out and also the fact that our the second time round we went to the same hospital but the staff and everyone the nurse and everything the lactation experts they were a lot nicer this time around they were actually very supportive and they said that if you come if you come breast uh, breastfeed it's fine mixed feeding is still okay it's better that your your kid eventually you know it's better that your kid eats than he doesn't eat at all yeah, he's, it's better that he's fed than he's not fed at all. So, breast, uh, milk, mixed feeding is still okay. It's best to give breastfeeding, yes. But if you can't, don't stress yourself out. It's all in the head. If you tell yourself that you can't produce, then you won't produce. And that really helps because, like, my wife suddenly had a, a positive spin on it. And she started to be able to produce more. and uh, But that also left her with a, a, a sour taste in her mouth that um, she felt guilty that she couldn't produce the first time around for Samir. Like everything that Samir, uh, everything that Shine's getting now, Samir never got, never really got it back then. Like even with her healing massages that he has, she has to go through now, she, she went through a different um, masseuse. And this masseuse, she, this time she, she gives, um, she gives Shine a bath uh, and then she gives Shine a massage and all this. Samir, when he was a newborn, never had all of this. So she felt guilty that Samir uh, is losing out on things that Cheyenne is gaining on, you know? So mom guilt has always been a stem of her uh, problem that leads to uh, postnatal depression for my wife. At least that's how I see it. Um, she even felt guilty that she couldn't, she couldn't hug or carry Samir when she was uh, healing when, when Samir has his uh, tantrums and when he's like, you know, feeling jealous and he need he needed comforting. My wife wasn't really mobile enough to like give him, give him a hug or give him comfort that he wants, that he's used to. So she feels guilty for, for that. She feels guilty that Samir's attention has been slightly taken away. She like, there was a lot of reasons why she felt mom guilt. But other than that, she also felt, there was this one time my wife was, complaining to me and I, I didn't see it as a cry for help because I thought she was okay I thought she was fine but my wife started telling me she, she started attacking me saying that I'm, I'm I'm picking and choosing what it is that she can do and she can't do while she's healing and I wasn't out it's new to me but then she she makes it seem as though like it's such a small petty thing and in res, in response I just made a sound and just went <sighs> and she she had a meltdown. She, I, I wasn't, look, I shouldn't have done that. I didn't see, I didn't see it as a cry for help. I didn't see that she was in need. I honestly didn't think that she was going through depression this time around. So I thought she was at a better place. 
everything seemed like she was at a better place. But that sound that I made just made her lose her mind. And she started crying and shouting at me and, and, and she left the room to cry. And I was holding on to Cheyenne, trying to keep, you know, trying to keep him calm because he was asleep in my arms. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go out to see her because I just, I, 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 I thought she might need some time to herself to calm down. And I spent that few minutes while I was trying to comfort Cheyenne, thinking about, am I not doing enough for her? Is I'm doing almost everything I can to prevent her from being depressed. Is it still not enough? I eventually went out after a few minutes, after she started crying, after she cried and all that, and I asked her if she's okay. And she didn't want to, you know, she wasn't in a bit good state. She was mad at me. And uh, I felt bad because, like, recently when I talked to her, she told me that that was the reason why she kind of, that was the trigger to her feeling even more worse. Like, as if, like, she's been, she's been suppressing all these emotions and all this guilt inside of her. And me just doing that was the trigger to let it all out. And she started, and I feel bad because I really didn't, I didn't, I didn't see, I know I'm an asshole now talking about it now, but I didn't see any signs that she was going through this. I didn't see it. I really honestly felt that she was going through a better time than she did the first time around. So not only that, like she felt, she felt inadequate and crappy. And she's told me this a couple of times as well. Uh, when, when she, when she gets compared to other mothers who, who could produce more breast milk and people, she never liked being compared to another person. So when the people closest to her kept comparing her to, to others, to other mothers who can produce and uh, this and that, and like she feels like, she feels inadequate. Like the reason why sometimes she couldn't produce breast milk or she couldn't find time to pump is because she, at her own place, at our place, she does everything. She does our laundry. She does our cleaning. She does... Uh, she has to find time to cook for Samir his lunch and dinner. She feeds Samir. She feeds Cheyenne. She, she has so much on her plate that no one sees or understands the reason, the reasons why she doesn't have time to pump. Like we all know, like the general consensus is, breast milk, pumping breast milk or giving breast milk to your newborn is good. Yes, but no one understands sometimes that. There is no time in her 24 hours of being a mother at home. She couldn't find the time to pump. And look, it can get very, very hectic. My wife is the one who puts my son to, to, to his nap. She's the one who has to handle the cooking, the cleaning, uh, the laundry, the folding of the laundry, keeping everything. She's the one who's, she's the glue to this whole, to this whole, um, my, my whole empire. And sometimes people don't understand that alone time is last on her priorities list. That And that alone time also, people expect her to, to, to pump and she can't even find time for that. So 
she felt inadequate and crappy because of that. And she also feels sometimes she, like she's overlooked by the people she needs the most who assumes that she has it all figured out because she's, she really doesn't. She's still trying to figure things out. Despite her being a mom, mother of two, experiencing it twice and everything, she's still trying to figure things out. So, yeah. And uh, while, while I'm at the topic that, uh, you know, my wife is the one who, who puts Samir to his naps, I think I mentioned it before that my son Samir is he's going through a lot of separation anxiety and he's having uh he's two years old, so he's going through the whole terrible twos and he's having tantrums and uh he's trying to figure things out, his emotions, everything. So my my wife it can it can get overwhelming for me, let alone my wife, you know, to, to try and handle him. So um sometimes my wife gets overwhelmed by Samir's tantrums and separation anxiety that um she feels inadequate when, and, and she questions why she is not enough for Samir when, when he pushes her away, when he, she's trying to comfort him, when he's crying over and over and over again, and she couldn't calm him down because he's either looking for me or someone else. Like she, she, she asks herself, why am I not enough for you? And that makes her feel even worse than she is before. So like these kind of things actually just happened recently, like recently to the point where it just happened yesterday. Like she just told me that she feels inadequate whenever he like, am I not enough for you, Samir? The thing is, um, we're not done. The story's not over yet because my wife is still going through it. She's, she still has this dark cloud hanging over her. And uh, I'm trying my best to give her support and like help her out through this uh, difficult time. And uh, yeah, and hopefully she'll be at a better place soon. I really need her to be at a better place because She's my best friend and I only want her to be happy. Yeah. And I hope, I, I hope that our story can help anyone out there who's going through this or who has went through this. Uh, always worried to go through it. <laughs> if you're a parent, if you've gone through this before, if it's similar, your experience, if your experience was similar to ours, then cool. If, um, if you're about to be parents and you're worried, uh, especially the fathers, just keep a lookout and just the one thing that I would say is just don't forget your wife. Just support her and, and, and show support in every way that you can. And nothing, every small little thing, right, would help. Everything. Like get her her favorite chocolate, buy her a rose going home, do anything. It, it would really help make her better. So yeah, that was our story um, with um, postnatal depression. Hopefully, um, I'm I can see a little bit of the you know light from the rainbow at the end of the tunnel, and uh, yeah, hopefully I can I can find my happy wife at the end of it soon. There's there's this thing that I've been uh, like that's been going through my head 
and I'm, I I do sometimes think of this podcast as a as a therapy that I can just let everything out. Um, so I'm gonna spend like a few minutes just talking about something similar to depression, I guess. Similar to what my my wife is going through. She she's going through mom guilt by I I'm going through dad guilt I think. A little bit of it. The th- the thing is right. As dads, we're not allowed to feel depression, to feel weak, to feel we we always have to be strong. I don't know. Some people might say, "Oh no, you can be you can be whoever you want. You can be strong." Sometimes we don't have the we cannot afford to be weak. Like with my wife, I'm. Sometimes, I know how she is. She goes into panic mode very very easily. So I have to be her. I have to be more calm. I have to be more solid. Whenever things like, let's say the other day, my son's my son's nose started bleeding all of a sudden, and I was scared as hell. Seeing my son bleed is the worst thing in my. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my whole life. You know, so I was freaking out. Inside, I was running around like a madman, but because my wife is there. And because I don't want to alert my son, I had to be very calm. But I had to play that role as you know the the calm doctor who knows what he's doing. But I really don't know what I'm doing, and that's it's obvious. This that's the name of the podcast. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, everyone assumed that us dads are supposed to be um, strong, and this whole toxic masculinity culture that that's been fed to us since day one, you know. But honestly, sometimes I do feel guilty. I feel guilty that sometimes I cannot have the same bond with Cheyenne as I did and do with Samir. Like Samir would sleep on my chest when he was a newborn and I felt so, I felt like a father, you know, I felt like a dad when he does that. But somehow like Cheyenne doesn't really like it when I do that. When, when I put him on my chest, I feel like he's uncomfortable. And I feel inadequate. I feel inadequate as a dad. Like, do you not like me as much as your brother did? And when I when I when I try and feed Cheyenne and try and get that, you know, try to be, try to bond with him. Cheyenne, uh, Samir gets very jealous, and he gets very hurt whenever I when whenever I'm carrying Cheyenne, and I always have to put Cheyenne down to comfort Samir, and I feel bad for Cheyenne because like, I cannot have. A, bond with you I cannot I cannot connect with you because my with because your brother needs me that leads to more guilt and I feel guilty that I don't have enough photos and videos of Cheyenne as I did when when Samuel was born and that's a lot of people say right like oh the first born you're gonna take so much photos and videos but by the second one comes around you're not gonna do the same like I did a whole vlog I started a vlog for Samir on YouTube and I couldn't do the same for Cheyenne. And that's not uh, that's not an indication of my love for Samir and Cheyenne. That's the levels. No. The reason why I could do it was because I only had Samir. And the reason why I don't do it for Cheyenne is because I have Samir. I can't, I can't, I can't vlog because when I vlog, Samir needs my attention. When I want to vlog with Cheyenne, Samir is going to need my attention. So... That's the reason why I don't have enough videos or photos or a lot of videos or photos of Cheyenne. 
And I feel bad. I feel guilty because like he deserves the best. He's really the sweetest little peanut of a baby that I've ever met in my life. And he's been nothing but sweet and like cute and like, you know, puking on my shoulder or whatever. But I don't care because he's, he's so sweet. Is, yeah. I'm just letting it out that I feel, I still feel guilty that I can't, this, this has nothing to do with favoritism. Like, I grew up as the third child, as the, you know, the third child in a, I grew up in a family where I'm the, I'm the last kid. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the youngest of three. But still, I wasn't given the attention that my sister, the middle one, my sister is getting. Like, even up to this day, she's still getting all the attention and not me. And I'm fine with that. I'm like, whatever. You know, I don't need attention from you. I have my family. That's why I have my own family because my family doesn't give me the attention. Whatever. So I, I know that from the start that I'm not going to show favoritism. You know, I I, I don't want to give Samir more attention than Shane or Shane more attention than Samir. I want to give them both equal attention. But that's the age-old question about like, how can you be fair to do, to both kids? Like my, I like to talk philosophy with my father-in-law and he knows this because he has three kids as well. So he would ask me, he asked me a few years back, how are you going to be fair to all your kids? If you have all, if you have two kids and you give both of them an apple, is it fair? And then I say, yeah, they both get an apple. But what if, what if one kid loves an apple but the other kid likes an orange. So is it still fair? And it got me thinking that it's hard to be fair with your kids. You can try your hardest, but whether or not they think you're being fair to them is a different thing. And you have no control over how they feel. You know? So again, I feel guilty that my that I cannot give Cheyenne or I cannot bond with Cheyenne the ways I bond with Samir. But hopefully as the days and the months go on, I can have a better relationship with my second son. And my first son will grow out of this whole terrible two stage in, into a better place. Uh, yeah, where he's a, a helpful brother and a helpful son and, you know, a good member of society, hopefully one day. We're getting there, so. Right. Um, that's it about this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for... Um, if you subscribe us... Uh, if you subscribe to this episode... Oh, I mean... If you subscribe to the podcast... Um, thank you. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes, I think. We're on uh, Google Podcasts. And we're also on... Just just wherever you listen to your, your podcast, just try and find us. Uh, try and find the, the show. Because I think, I think we're there. Anyway, yeah, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, that's the end of this episode. Uh, I hope to uh, hear better feedback. If you guys have uh, feedbacks or you want to uh, submit your stories on postnatal depression or anything, uh, anything really about being a father or husband or whatever, if you guys just want to uh, submit your stories, just uh, email me at uh, sofreeyusof at gmail.com. That's my direct email. No BS. Uh, you can also uh, tweet me at uh, 
at average sof why is it average sofri at average sofri on twitter you can find me on facebook and instagram as well but i'm gonna have to like accept you as a as a friend i think yeah so there's that and uh, yeah i hope to hear from no i hope to hear from you guys um and yeah have a good week be kind to everyone and uh stay safe Ta-da. 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 bye yeah. bye bye